another edition of the Forkstown Podcast. Your one-stop shop for anything and everything surrounding the Seattle Mariners baseball team. My name is Rick Clark, and with me, as always, the guy who just got back from a camping trip. I'm not going to tell you where. That's too much of an identifier. But Mr. Bo Chisholm. Bo, how are you doing today? Mr. Clark, doing rather well. Um, Doing very well. Good weekend of baseball. And um, yeah, things are going well. How about yourself? How are things going for you? It's going well. It's going well. Uh, my my days off kind of got mixed up. So it really threw me off yesterday trying to watch the game. And I missed it because I forgot it was Sunday. So I thought we wow. had a later game, which which normally happens when I'm off on Monday, which I was off today too, but you know, like the Mariners playing 5:40, so just completely, completely threw off my game. So, um, but I, I reviewed Sunday's game. Unfortunately, it was a loss, but um, didn't look like it was too bad of a game to uh, to watch. Did you? You caught all the games this weekend? Uh, yeah, caught. Uh, you know, like I said, difficult for me to watch a game in its entirety, but certainly caught up on all the games and all the notes and condensed games and baseball savant and what have you. Watched, I think, watched majority of the game yesterday. So, uh, good weekend for it. Um, save for maybe the end of the Sunday game, but uh, yeah, definitely watch some baseball. Yep. Good, good, good. Before we get into everything, thank you for taking time to listen to another edition of the Forks Down podcast. You know, if you're a returning listener, welcome back. Um, we'd love to have any of this as episode number, I think, 55 or 56. I'm sure I will know um, at the end of the night when I'm editing. But, um, you know, if you've been with us from episode 1 to now or episode 10 to now or you just got started recently, thank you for, for coming back and listening to us. Uh, Bo and I have fun doing this. We try to uh, put out the best content possible. So, um, you know, welcome back. If you're a first time listener, hey, thanks for choosing the Forks Down podcast. And hopefully we're your new home for Mariners baseball talk. Um, you know, there's there's not many Mariners focused podcasts out there. So I hope, uh, you know, we're here to fill the void for you to, you know, get some Mariners baseball talk in. And I feel like Bo and I are pretty knowledgeable. Um, you know, we we tend to agree on a lot of things, which is kind of wild. Um, I know your sister said something about wanting more controversy, Bo, but, uh, you know, I, I feel like great minds think alike. So, <laughs> um, if you haven't already go hit up our social media pages, you can find us on Facebook, find us on Instagram, just search forks down podcast. You can also hit like, and subscribe on your podcast listening app. You can get notified about new episodes dropping, you can leave us reviews if you, uh, you know, like us or don't like us. But, you know, if you put a five-star for us, bump us up the charts a little bit, you know, we'll get a bit, little bit more visibility. And, you know, it'll be just one day closer to um, quitting our day jobs and doing this full-time. So, <laughs> with all that being said, Bo, um, I just had to drop that in there today, Bo, so... I think, gonna start, said, I, think, I think I'm going to start. I think I'm going to start. I think I'm going to start timing you. I think I'm going to start timing you on that section to see how see how well you do. So you're you're doing very well. Congratulations. It's, Good job. Is this like timing, like timing the national anthem before a baseball game? Like is that <laughs> what you're going to be doing to me? 
a little bit. Yeah. Just kind of trying to get, you know, maybe take bets on it or, you know, how the audience, you know, see how fast you can get through it or how slow we can get through it and just see what kind of see what it comes up with on a certain day. I feel like that would be a fun, fun activity. So, yeah. I'm, I'm going to start fluctuating on you. There's some days I'm really going to hit those high notes. Mm-hmm. And then there's some days I'm just going to power through them and just get sure. it done. You're, sure. you're not going to know what's coming. You're not going to know what's coming. It's going to happen. I'm sure. Sounds happen. like fun. Let's do it. Let's do it live. <laughs> well, we're also going to do Mariner's Notes live right now, Bo. So let's, uh, let's start from the top here. Um, you know, we... we uh, had a couple injuries, couple people recalled, couple people optioned, but um, a big note, you know, the trade deadline's coming up. Jonathan India of the Reds, former Rookie of the Year, um, I think it was in 2021. He won one Rookie of the Year. It was announced that the Reds were making him available. Um, India seems like a very intriguing piece. Um, he's more of a second base shortstop. Um, type player um and you know obviously we need a we have a needed second sounds like he could play a little bit of third too um you know but we got gino there so you know maybe get gino in some dh roles a little bit um but uh you know is this something the mariners should take a shot on um uh how can i put this i don't really i don't think so I don't think so. And maybe that might be, I know that like it's out there and it might be something that maybe fits the Mariners because it's a second baseman and, um, you know, with Colton Wong, the steps back to Colton Wong is taken and, um, you know, the Mariners are getting a second base in the weed next year. I just don't know. I guess, I guess Jonathan India fits, uh, fits a need that we have certainly. And some of his expected numbers look pretty good for the most part, but, I think we're kind of talking about maybe an average second baseman again, right? Like a 100 or like just under 100 WRC plus. So, um, you know, we're just talking about maybe at this point, like an average second baseman, which average is probably better than what we have now, obviously. But I, uh, if we're going to trade, like if we're going to trade Brian Wu, right. Um, I think I maybe want to get a little bit more than Jonathan India. I guess that's what I'm trying to say, right? Like if we're going to trade some of our pitching depth, I want a little bit better than average. I think that's where I'm going with it. So like if this is, if we can figure out a way to do this without affecting maybe like Brian Wu or Bryce Miller, I'd probably be more open to it. But um, it sounds like the Reds want some controllable young pitching back. The Mariners obviously have that in spades. Um, But uh, I don't know. This just doesn't speak to me as guests as much. And I think you know, maybe there's, you know, we're all kind of searching for some sort of trade candidate out there for the Mariners and, um, the Cardinals are obviously out there and now the Reds, but, uh, I just, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think this one fits for me entirely. If it's Brian with the asking price is Brian, we were Bryce Miller right now, but, uh, what are your, what are your thoughts about Indy overall? Well, before we get to my thoughts, what if it was, you know, what if this was the trade? What if it was, a one-on-one trade, India for Emerson Hancock. Would would that entice you a little bit more? Um, for Hancock, I think so. I think that would probably entice me a little bit because we're, like I said, I think we're I think we're gonna have to eventually move probably one of Bryce Miller, Brian Wu, or even Logan Gilbert at some point to get you know bigger bats in the lineup. Um but my hope would just be that if we trade any of those guys would be for something bigger. So like 
yes, I would be very open to moving Emerson Hancock if that was the deal. Um, but that probably, I mean, that, I'm just thinking like that maybe even that maybe a little bit more tipsy on the, or more tip of the scale to like the Mariners benefits. So they might have to go up a little bit more than that. So, um, yeah, if we could work that out, then yes. But I think for what I'm hearing right now where it's Brian Wu this is no. So that's probably what I would do. Um, what about you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. You know, a lot of the talks, especially for the Mariners have revolved around, you know, hitters that have kind of sit in the NL central. And, uh, I feel like a lot of them play in a lot of, uh, I wouldn't say even hitter friendly parks, but they play in better parks that are better suited for hitters. You know, like I feel like the great American ballpark is a very good hitters park. Um, you were there for a couple years working, you know, in the Reds organization, um, in one capacity or another. So you probably know a little bit more than I do. Um, but I just, I just don't think India's would fit in the Mariners org when it comes to hitting. I just feel like, I, I, I guess I'm just gun shy when it comes to acquiring anyone because how are they going to translate to T-Mobile Park? Like, like T-Mobile Park is the ultimate pitcher's park, you know, and, and guys like Ichiro did well because they just slapped the ball around, you know, or, you know, on the other spectrum of it, Nelson Cruz did fairly well because he could hit the ball 500 feet, you know, and I don't feel like India is that, you know, either of those guys. Um, so I guess I'm just basically gun shy on anyone because it comes down to how is their game going to translate to T-Mobile Park? You know, and you're completely right. I wouldn't give up Brian Wu or Bryce Miller for him. You know, uh, it'd be enticing if it was like an Emerson Hancock in a, you know, low A prospect. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's going to get a little bit better interest. You know, Reds are going to get a little bit be- better trade offers for him, you know, than the Mariners are going to give out right now. So I don't know. I, I agree with you. I'm just, I'm just scared, man. I'm scared with all these trade rumors that are coming up. How are their game going to, tra- how is their game going to translate? Well, I got to tell you, they're going to have to make a move at some point. Somebody's going to have to get moved and we're going to have to take a chance oh. on someone. Like someone's going to have, someone's going to have to come in just oh, yeah. like we did with Tay Oscar, just like we did with Colton Wong this last off season. Like, and you know, I think the Mariners have always searched for somebody that plays well into their ballpark. And they thought Tay Oscar did that. Right. And, uh, you know, most recently, Tay Oscar's really playing that up. And I, I think you're probably right that I don't know if India fits that mold. Again, some of his expected numbers look fairly good, right, for the most part. But um, yeah, still be a huge risk. I think the the one consideration I think I might have is like India's, India's team controllable. The Mariners do like that. So if he's an average second baseman for the next four years and you're able to go focus on getting a, a big bat in the outfield or a big DH bat, maybe it's worth it. Right. But I just wouldn't give up. I just wouldn't give up, you know, one of our core four, I think maybe core four young starting pitchers that is um, to kind of get him. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I think that, I think this is nice because it just gets us away from the Cardinals talk, but um, yeah, I don't, I just don't see, I get, I just don't see a perfect fit right now. If, if Wu is the asking price. So yeah. You know who I, like, if I was looking at hitters that weren't necessarily power hitters, and, like, that I would want on the Mariners that I think would, would succeed well, 
you know, an a la Ichiro, and he's definitely not on the block. I'm not even insinuating that we're going to make a play at him because they're not going to get rid of him. But I would like a Luis Arise, like someone that just gets on base, slaps the ball around, can go pull side, he can drive the ball the other way. Like, that's the type of hitter I want if I'm not looking at power bats. And there's not too many players in the major leagues that fit that kind of mold. Yeah, I, I you know, certainly I think the Mariners need better contact hitters, right? Or at least somebody that makes just better contact at the plate. Um, so like a rise would have been, rise would have been an okay one, I thought, um, to like go after this offseason. But, uh, you know, I think we will... I think once the, as the kind of the rest of the season goes on here, I think we need to dissect, you know, between ourselves, like what we think the Mariners biggest needs are. And me personally, it's just, uh, it's just a big bat and that's a very vague term, but, um, man, someone, I, you know, we wouldn't get, I'm just, I'm saying someone that is a, uh, I don't even know, like a Paul Goldschmidt esque or someone that is a Devers esque or someone that is a Pete Alonzo esque, like, I don't know if that bat exists out there that would fit for the Mariners, but um, you know what? I think we're also going to talk about in this episode some of the if we have a Julio problem, right? And if we do, then we need to go get some other kind of major, major impact bat. So, um, but uh, you know, we can dive into that some other time. So, yep. Yep. Um. So, kind of bouncing out of that India talk, like I said. Um, there's some injuries, some players recalled, players optioned. Um, AJ Pollock uh, had a left hamstring uh, strain. He slid into home and got thrown out and ended up getting taken out. He's on the IL now. Um, in a corresponding move, they sent him to the IL. Taylor Trammell got recalled. And then uh, Perlander Barua got optioned back to Arkansas. And Isaiah Campbell was recalled. Um are any of these moves surprising to you, Bo? Um, you know, it's cool to see T-Tran back up. Hopefully he can, you know, bring a little better bat with him. But, uh, you know, Prelander didn't look so hot in his first couple outings with the Mariners, and I thought Isaiah Campbell did before he got sent down. Yeah, I was going back through Prelander. I think the surprising part was just Prelander's, I'd say, performance when he pitched in the game that he pitched in. I don't think... Uh, he hadn't recorded more than three walks since the beginning of May in double A. Right. So I think it was the fact that he walked so much and it just was as I mean, didn't have a whole lot of success, I think was the surprising part. Um, but, you know, the make the Mariners are just kind of trying this a little bit of a revolving door with some of their guys in Arkansas to kind of see, um, you know, who sticks right um, with uh, Devin Sweet and Isaiah Campbell and Prelander Barrow and Ty Adcock. They're just kind of, I think they're doing these little musical chairs to see, you know, there's certainly a bullpen spot up for grabs and, you know, they're just trying with one of these guys. Um, so I'm not super surprised by it. I may be surprised that we haven't really seen maybe I would say one guy stick out, right. Unless I'm, you know, forgetting something off the top of my head, but um, you know, I was kind of assuming maybe one of these guys would, would stick in the bullpen, but it kind of seems like we're, we're still kind of rotating through them a little bit. Yep. Yep. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm glad Isaiah Campbell came back. Um, I'm hoping he can stick out a little bit more. Um, you know, his first taste of the major leagues, he looked pretty good. And, 
don't know. How long do you think you think Pollock just with the strain is just going to be on for ten days? You know, um, and do you think when he comes back, do you think Trammell goes back down, or do you think we'd be sending someone else out the door? Um, uh, be Trammell or Cade Marlowe, I would assume. Um, so this might be just a little bit of a trial run for for both of them. Um, to see what they've got, you know, I would, my money would be on Taylor Trammell probably stays just given his track record. But, um, certainly if Cade Marlowe can, uh, you know, string a couple hits together and have a couple of good games, maybe he makes a case for that. But, uh, my money right would be on Taylor Trammell staying and Cade Marlowe getting option. But, uh, yeah, I think it would probably just be a 10 day IL for AJ Pollock. Um, but, uh, yeah, even AJ Pollock has, has questions. Right. I think, uh, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of getting to a point where I kind of wonder, uh, you know, even how much time AJ Pollock is going to have on this team left. Um, and I don't think there's a real scenario where we DFA him and then both those guys stay. Um, but yeah, if Cade Marlowe makes a good impression and Taylor Trammell seems to be picking it up. Um, I, I don't know. I think there's, I think there's an option to, uh, to kind of move on from AJ Pollock. certainly could be certainly could be it'll be interesting to see um what's happened because you know even you know the last time we talked we didn't know if the mariners were going to be buyers and sellers or sellers and it seems like uh you know the last few games it, it would lean more towards at least somewhat buying but you know it's still really hard because you're still sitting only a game or two over 500 um so uh, it, it could be possible that, that Pollock gets the door. It could be possible that we see Wong get the door. You never know. Um, you know, but but let's, uh, let's move into the Blue Jays series here. Um, I, I thought overall this was a fairly fairly good series, um, as, as expected. Um, the, the stadium was really loud for the Blue Jays. Um, I just, I hate to see that. I understand you know, this half of Canada that's above Seattle comes down and catches, you know, Blue Jays games at, at T-Mobile. But, man, I just – it was so loud for them, you know, uh, when they were coming to bat, when they do something well. And I think the Mariners responded very well, um, at least in the first two games. Yeah, I don't think they – I don't think it really got to them – too much, I would say. Responded very well. I thought the team played. Um, I think overall, you know, very couple first good games. Uh, the second game, I think, in particular, just the slugfest of that of that game in particular was a good battle back, and um, yeah, didn't let the crowd get into it too much. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of the way when you have uh, when you have one team that represents the whole country, right? Um, I, uh, I feel like that's just what happens there. How did you feel about them selling Vladimir Guerrero Jr. gear in the team store? What are your what are your what are your what are your hot takes on that? I I heard that they got rid of it. Um, Polly oh. Polly P Polly Seawald um, tweeted something about it, and JP. Um, and the last I heard from reports from the ballpark, they had taken that whole. It was only a little section. It was one rack, but I heard they had taken it out. Um, I mean, if it goes to the mar in the Mariners pockets, I don't, I don't mind too much, but, uh, 
they I I saw some very very hot takes about that, and uh, I think some of it was right on the button. But I mean, go to their hat wall in the team store, and they yep. sell every team's hats, including including Houston. So like, what are we getting mad about? Just settle down, you know. If you don't like that, don't go to the All Star game there because there was, you know. 50 different players jerseys that weren't Mariners jerseys there. So um, I, I guess I wasn't as outraged as some other people. Fair. Especially fair, since fair, it was fair. just one rack. No, I agree. Or, were you yeah. outraged, Bill? I feel like you were, I, I feel like uh, you weren't a little outraged. I feel like you'd be a little outraged. Well, the fact that they had the All-Star game a couple weeks ago and like there was a bunch obviously emerged from like what we saw in there. I guess it made sense that they're probably just trying to get rid of stuff. I don't know. It wouldn't made me it wouldn't make me too enraged, but I could see maybe Paul Seawald or JP or, you know, them playing them probably makes them a little more outraged. But uh, I'm just a fan. I'm just a fan. So there you go. (laughs) Well, if they were outraged by it, they seem to respond well in Friday's game, a three, two victory. Um, good series opener. Um, you know, offensively Mariners were able to scramble, uh, 10 hits. They out hit the, uh, Toronto Blue Jays 10 to six. Um, you know, so offensively they did well and kind of had to battle back. Teo had a big hit, which we'll talk about in a second, but, um, our pitching staff did great. Um, you know, Bryce Miller came in, uh, five point five and a third innings, three hits only gave up one run on a home run and it was earned, had two base on balls, but Cade six people dropped his ERA below 3.5. And, uh, it seemed like, you know, he was very fastball heavy and I feel like Toronto is a pretty good fastball hitting team. Maybe I'm wrong uh- on that. Uh, I think they're fastball hitting team, but you know, they're also uh very right-hander heavy. Right. Um, so, mm-hmm. uh, I think it made sense to kind of, you know, bring it up and in as much as possible. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it worked out pretty good for him for the most part. They still made pretty good contact against Bryce, but, um, you know, good for 11 whiffs in this game and overall pretty good defensive game as well. So, um, you know, Bryce just did, uh, I think just had a very good, you know, solid game in this one, right? I don't think it was overly too overly dominant, but um, you know, didn't leave a whole lot over the plate either. Um, and like you said, like you said, the bullpen save for uh save for Prelander Baroa, um, I think uh, you know, was a was a bright spot in this game as well. Um, and uh, overall, you know, when the Mariners pitching staff's on like that, they only really need, you know, three or four runs to win the game, and that was uh, that was the case in this one. Yeah, yeah. I don't, you know, Prelander didn't even give up any runs. His big thing was he walked, you know, he wasn't locating well. Um, you know, he came in, let's see, it would have been ninth, eighth, like the seventh. And uh, he went two thirds of an inning, um, walked three people, did strike out one, didn't give up any runs, um, but it was kind of cause for alarm. And later on, we saw him get optioned. But uh, Topa, Spire, and Saucedo came in. Um, Gave up a combined one run. Each of them pitched to two-thirds of an inning. Um, and then Seawald came in, and he ended up getting the win um, because it was tied in the ninth. He came in to, to get them to the bottom of the ninth. And, uh, you know, it wasn't a safe situation, so I was a little scared with uh, Paul Seawald coming in. But he did very well in his inning. 
I did walk one, struck out one though. And uh, first time in a while I've seen his ERA dip below three. You know, it's sitting about a two nine five now. Yep, Paul Seawald. Uh, yeah, still loves to put loves to put one runner on and at least give us a little bit of a heart attack there. But uh, yeah, no, I mean continues to uh, um, be the guy later games that the Mariners need to go to and. Um, yeah, I'll just say, you know, continues to probably push up that, that trade stock if uh, the Mariners do want to go that route. But um, yeah, all very solid. And I think, you know, the the way that it ended with Teo getting the, the big hit um, against his former team, um, you know, off Jordan Romano. Um, I just, uh, just an overall great game, I thought, kind of from beginning to end of this one. You pronounced it wrong, though. It's Romano. Romano. At least that's Whatever. how the announcers announce it. Romano. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Romano. It's... Everybody loves Ray. That's what I say. Ray Romano. So too bad, buddy. Exactly. That's what I say. But then they pronounce it Romano and it just really irks me. So, <laughs> um, yeah, good, good pitching staff performance. And then offensively, you brought him up. Teo, um, three singles, including the walk-off. Um, I think if that hit happened in any other inning, it would have been at least a double. But, uh, you know, you don't need to run pass first if, uh, you know, the player's getting plated and you're, the you know, scoring the winning run. So, but tail looked good. Three for five, one RBI, game-winning hit. Um, Gino, top of the lineup, didn't do too well. JP, Julio, and Gino combined went... Uh, one for, let's see, one for 11. Um, you know, Julio had two walks. JP had a walk, um, but not a lot of production. Our production kind of came through the middle of the order with Teo, um, Tom Murphy coming in and uh, getting going one for four. Ty France, two for three. Um, you know, Mike Ford came in and had a, a big pinch hit. Uh, it was a single. And then uh, Kate Marlowe came in and ran for him. Um, Pollock had his fourth double of the season. Ty France had his 24th double of the season. And uh, Mike Ford, Ty France, and Teo all had uh, RBIs. Um, fun fact here, Bo. Um, JP had a sack. I think it was a sack bunt um, during the game. JP has all our sacrifice hits this uh, season, which is uh, very sacrifice Sacrifice bunts, right? All the sacrifice bunts. So I, I think... Yes, I think sacrifice bunts. They just put them as sacrificed on the broadcast. I, I, you know, I took it as sacrifice bunts and not sack hit or sack flies. But um, Gino grounded into double play, two for eleven with runners in scoring position. Eleven runners left on base. Caballero had a sixteenth stolen base. Um, that was off of. It looked like Swanson was on the mound. Um, so, but anyways, a good. A good start to the series, um, and in you know where Saturday's game was kind of a slugfest. Um, Friday's game was more of a uh, dare I say a little bit of a pitching duel. You know we had Kikuchi and Bryce Miller going at it, and it's kind of surprising Kikuchi pitched as well as he did. He ended up you know just looking at his stats: five and a third, only five hits up, given up, no runs, one base on balls, had eight Ks. Uh, yeah. Um, 
I guess I, this was a little bit better than I mean, eight to eight Ks that kind of stings a little bit, but you know, it was only 13 swings and misses. So it wasn't, um, you know, probably the worst Mariner performance when it comes to that. But, uh, yeah, still one of Kikuchi's better games of the year. I think this dipped Kikuchi's ERA under four, if I remember correctly. So, um, yep. yep. 3.92. It's at now. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, pretty good game from him. Um, yeah, I think you you always wish you could probably get to Kikuchi a little bit with how rocky I think his earlier season starts had gone. But, um, you know, otherwise, pretty good game from him as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think the, you know, the, the fact that the Mariners were able to, I think, like if he got he got he went he left in the sixth, I think. So the fact that they were to get to the bullpen and then I think take advantage of, uh, you know, Yubi Garcia and then obviously Rom- as Roman- Romano. Romano at the end of the game. Romano, Romano. Romano. Yep, yep, yep. A big part of this one because I think the Mariners kind of late in games. I think I've had some trouble parts this season and it was good to see that. I think the old Mariners kind of that good, solid kind of end of the game on this one. So, yep. It's kind of wild, you know, we're talking about kind of their late game struggles. And Friday and Saturday's game, you know, we had late game heroes, which very, very good to see. Like you said, Looked like the Mariners of the last couple seasons. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, Friday's game, Teo had a big hit. Um, Saturday's game, um, Mariners had to battle back. It was a 9-8 victory. Um, Isaiah Campbell ended up picking the win up, his first win in a Mariners uniform. And Topa got the save, his second save of the season. And, uh I thought it was kind of wild to see Topa go out there for the ninth inning. I was watching it on TV. Um, I had got home for the ninth inning, and Abby put it on, so we're sitting in the living room watching it. And when Topa came out, I'm screaming at my TV going, why is Topa in? Where's Seawald? <laughs> what what's happening right now? I was kind of freaking out, and, uh, <laughs> you know, he gave up a run, and uh, I about lost my, uh, you know, S-H-I-T, but uh, he got the save. Um, you know, obviously Seawald was unavailable. Yeah, still able to get the save. And, um, you know, he's he's one of the Mariners, I would call Topa, one of the Mariners, you know, high leverage pitchers still, right? So, like, if I think Scott's going to trust somebody with the save, it's going to be, um, you know, probably in order. It's, you know, Seawald, Munoz, and Topa, right? Um and I know Munoz came in before this game, before this, but um, I think you know maybe uh, Scott thought the game might have been, um, you know, some of the some of the things that uh, Teo and team did, right? Maybe they had, thought they had a little more cushion there, but um, yeah, I think Topa was just kind of thrown into the situation. Still gave up a run, like you said, but um, was able to close out. I think such a uh, like an important, another important game to win, like another you know ended up being a one run game, so. Um, but, uh, I think on that note, right. I think you kind of saw in this game, Matt Brash. Yeah. Probably still taking a little bit of a step back and, um, kind of, you know, in that terms of like those high leverage guys, um, you know, probably not going to be considered for, you know, that role that maybe Topa wasn't in this one with, uh, I think some of the struggles that he had, but, um, overall still very happy. Still very glad that Topa was able to close it out. And, um, you know, I think ultimately, get the save and in, in light of uh, Mr. Seawald not being available. So it was good to see. Yeah. Yeah. Logan Gilbert started the game. Um, didn't have a great outing. He went five innings, gave up eight hits, uh, five runs, all five earned 
um, gave up three home runs. Um, was that his season high, Bo? I can't remember off the top of my head. I think three is now his season high for home runs given up in one game. Um, I don't remember. He's had some stinkers this season. I don't remember if there were other ones that were fair. Some of those he gave up home runs on, but it certainly seemed like there were a lot of home runs in this game from both sides. So, um, uh, yeah, let me see if mm-hmm. I can pull it up here real quick. But uh, that was a season high. Yes, he gave, he gave he gave he gave up he gave up two back was... in he he gave two up he gave two back up in to the Angels in June and then two again. Um, he's actually given up. So he gave up two to the Yankees in May and then two to the Brewers in April. So, but this was a season high of three. Yep. Yeah, just just tough to watch. You know, um, I I don't think this dips his trade value at all if if he's on the trade block. But um, you know, just a little worrying a little bit. But um, you know, Gilbert uh, kind of has a stinker, and then it's kind of up to the bullpen to kind of rebound. And like you said, Brash. Didn't have a great game. Went one in the third. Gave up two runs. Did K two, but um, just not great. But um, Spire looked good in his third of an inning, um, or not as good, I guess. Um, but Campbell did. That's what I meant. <laughs> Was looking at Campbell talking about Gabe Spire. Um, Isaiah Campbell, like I said, picked up the win. Looked fine. Um, Munoz came in, had a strikeout in his inning of. Um, work and then Topa got the save. So, um, you know, but this game was mainly, like I said, it was a, it was a slugfest mainly on the offense and uh, man, what, what do we say about tail in this series that we kind of haven't said about at least the first game and, you know, this game, he looked good again, um, ended up having a uh, uh, two RBIs, uh, one for four day, um, looked good coming up with some big hits JP went two for four, um, had two RBIs, had had a run. Uh, Julio went one for three with two runs, an RBI. Um, so a little bit more production out of the top part of the lineup. Gino did go 0 for four. And uh, Cal Raleigh, two for four, two runs, two RBIs. Um, he had a two home runs, one off of Gaussman in the third, one off of Gaussman in the fifth. So he's got... He hit his 13th and 14th home runs of the season. Um, Dylan Moore went two for four, kind of getting off the schneid a little bit. Um, and even Colton Long contributed one for three, one run, one RBI. So all around, just a good um, balanced offensive performance for the Mariners. Yeah, and I, I especially think the um, the Colton Long hit in the seventh, um, I think that was uh, – uh, just a massive part of this game. I know that Dylan Moore had the double before that, but um, <clears throat> yeah, Colton Wong kept the inning going with, uh, you know, just kept the inning going and kind of kept the runners moving for the most part there. Um, but yeah, that seventh inning was, was very good Mariner baseball, right? Um, didn't take a lot of home runs, but just, you know, um, Ty France gets on by another hit by pitch. Um, and you just got to keep the line moving, right? A double by right Dylan off Moore. the elbow guard, too. Uh, right, yeah. And then you, uh, but I think Colton Wong, right? You know, the fact that he was able to kind of, I think, score Ty France there and then, um, you know, steal second, you know, very soon after that, right? Um, so I think very, very good game from Colton Wong on this one. Um, and, uh, yeah, overall, I think pretty solid offensive performance. I would say it was nice to see, um, 
it was nice to see Julio get a hold of one in this game. Um, I believe that was his first home run since uh, you might have it marked down here. I think I have his first home run since June 24th, I believe. So um, it's been a while for old Julio there. So that was really good. So that was really good to see. Yep. Um, Yep. Um, even and, and Dylan Moore, like I said, got off tonight a little bit because he hit a home run too. Um, but yeah, Julio hitting his first home run of the second half was good to see. Um, you know, he's got over 20 stolen bases and wanted to have want him to have a 2020 season, and you know, that's gonna mean he's gonna have to start hitting some more home runs. Um, it's kind of wild, you know, the Mariners scored nine runs, but we're only three for five with runners in scoring position, which is which is good 600 average with runners in scoring position. Um, and only two left on base. So if the Mariners were getting on base, they were scoring in this game. Um, was this the game? Pretty sure this was the game Mike Ford got. No, did he get ejected in Friday's game? He got ejected in one of these games, I thought. I think it was Friday's game, if I remember correctly. I think he was arguing balls and strikes. Do you, do you remember seeing that, Bill? Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I think it was. Uh, yeah, I think you're. I, actually, I don't remember off the top of my head now. Um, but that's like that's a couple times now. Mike Ford's been ejected for that. So, um, yeah, there you uh, go. No, but, I think it was a Twins game. Now it's coming back to me. Yeah. I think it was a Twins game. I'm looking through the stats. And, Sorry, they pinched hit for uh, Mike he, Ford he this game. Though they pinched hit for they pinched hit for Mike Ford this game. So Tom Murphy pinched for hit for him. I think some point in this game as well. So yeah. It's, well, he probably was. No, he did. It was this game. He got ejected because uh, someone was brought up like they didn't have to replace him. Yeah, it was right as I was coming home because I was just getting ready to catch the ninth inning. I don't think officially in the stats he had a pinch hit, a pinch hitter come in because they didn't come back to his uh, spot in the lineup. But uh, yeah, Mike Ford did get ejected in Saturday's game. So um, yeah, other than that, I mean, a good good battle back. Um, Saturday's game, Cal Raleigh, you know, since he hit two home runs, uh, got the post game Gatorade bath, um, when he was talking to, um, Jim Mueller on the field, fun to see. I'm a big Cal fan. I think our fans that have been with us for a while know that I really like Cal and I want him to come around. Um, but yeah, you know, Fridays and Saturdays win led to a series win, which we always need series wins. But I was hoping, you know, with me <laughs> missing the game on Sunday, I was hoping they would come through in Sunday's game and they weren't able to to deliver. Uh, Toronto took the game 4-3. And uh, Brian Wu picked up his third loss of the season. And I'm going to pronounce it again just to annoy you, boo. Jordan Romano. Romano. Yeah, that sounds right. Romano picked up his 27th save of the season for the, the Blue Jays. So, um but Brian Wu, um, again, you're going to have to fill in parts of these game, Bo. But, um, you know, for him picking up the loss, he, he seemed like he pitched pretty well from what I saw. Yeah, no, I thought Brian Wu pitched very well in this game. Um, you know, even, I think despite the four earned runs, right, um, you know, did leave a couple balls over the plate, right, resulted in a couple home runs. But uh, for the most part, still had seven Ks, otherwise limited some relatively decent hard contact, 17 swings and misses. Um, <clears throat> you know, was very fastball heavy in this game. Again, trying to attack a lot of the, the right-hander heavy lineup, but I thought the sinker was playing up a little bit for him in this one. So 
Um, you know, the, I think the, yeah, I think he did have a couple whiffs off that. And I think he whiffed on almost all of his pitches. So I think everything was working pretty well for Brian Wu. Um, I kind of thought they, they did let him go back out during the seventh and, you know, immediately kind of gave a base runner or immediately walked the first guy in the seventh. So I didn't really think that that was a good call by Scott to kind of do that for the most part. Um, I kind of thought you might just be able to start the inning off fresh and, you know, start with somebody else there. But, um, you know, they also went with Brian Wu and then had immediately bring in Taylor Saucedo and Saucedo gave up a run that inning. So I thought that that could have been managed a little bit better. But, um, you know, overall, I thought very six solids, pretty strong innings from uh, from Brian Wu in this one. And, um, you know, just looks like a looks like a pretty consistent pitcher despite the foreign runs. Um, you know, I was I was pretty happy with what we got out of Brian Wu. Um, and, you know, we'll kind of see where the next kind of weeks take him. But um yeah, I thought overall pretty well. Um, and I think on the Saucedo front, I think he did give Looking up a walk, this... but good. Oh, sorry. I, I didn't mean to cut you off here. Looking at the stats, I think Brian Wu, if that runner had not come across the plate because Taylor Saucedo um, pulled the old Matt Brash inherited runner trick, um, I think Wu would have been like one inning away from a quality start. Um, just looking at the stats. So, I mean, again, not a bad outing if he was, you know, bordering on a quality start effort here. Yeah, no, certainly. I, like, I, I, I do think Scott, I don't know, sometimes he does want to try to stretch his starters. I think maybe if that's a criticism I might have is like, and I get why he tries to do that sometimes if the bullpen's really taxed, but kind of thought that was what he was trying to do here, which is how much the bullpen worked the bullpen had got over the last couple of days. And I get the purposes for that, but um, you know, I think Brian Wu was at 86 pitches or something like that going into the seventh. So I think it was right on the borderline of another not to call it good or not. And, uh, yeah, I, I kind of think that they should probably should have started off fresh there, but, um, well, that's just kind of what happens sometimes. So, um, uh, didn't, didn't really say, I would say ruin an overall good start from Brian Wu, but I think it could have been better managed there. It looks like Seawald, according to the notes here, uh, came in in the eighth inning. Um, and Isaiah Isaiah Campbell got the ninth inning, which is cool to see. Um, Isaiah Campbell did give up a hit, but didn't let anyone across, didn't have a walk, didn't have a strikeout. So his ERA sitting at 0.00. So um, a good pitching effort. And the Mariners offense just, um, they, they had a chance in the ninth. Um, Julio, um, we'll get to Julio in a second. JP went 0 for 4, but he did have a sack hit, got it down, and was able to move the runners. So um, the game was lost with runners in scoring position. And, uh, yeah, this is kind of where we want to talk about Julio a little bit because uh, his strikeout in the ninth um, was I, – I saw this. I went back and watched it. Um, his strikeout was uh, not great. You know, struck out swinging. You know, I know he wants to be the hero – you know, uh, as we've said earlier in the season, hero ball. But, um, you know, a, a hit would have probably plated someone. Yeah, and it just, uh, I mean, anybody that's a casual viewer of Mariners baseball, you know, can just see that Julio struggles late in games. And, um, 
It, uh, you know, I think he's hit the majority of his hits, the majority of his home runs have come in, you know, the first three innings of the ball games, right? Um, I think somebody pointed this out, um, but, you know, Julio right now has a, has a 308 slug when it comes to the ninth inning of baseball games in 2023. Um, and the whole entire season, he only has four hits in the ninth inning, right? Like um, four hits to go with 12 strikeouts in the ninth inning of baseball games in 2023. Um so it's just, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a struggle for him and I, you know, it probably hero ball. It's probably pressing as I think is the term of the term of 2023 to sum up the Mariners pressing and trying too hard. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just, uh, something's got to change there and I don't know how you're feeling about it, but, um, it's just rough to watch right now. Cause I just don't trust Julio late in games. Like I just don't. I would have been, you know, Eugenio obviously had the at bat after that, and I felt much more comfortable with it. But um, yeah, even with Rom- even with Romano um, throwing, I think Romano was you know throwing poorly in this game at the end of the game, right? Hit hit the hit the first guy, mm-hmm. uh, walked the second guy. Um, you know, Romano was not pitching well, and Julio made him look pretty good in this game, right? Um, and yeah, it's just uh, it's just really tough to watch because your superstar is the guy you want there with the game on the line at the end of it, and I don't feel like Julio is the guy I want with the bat right now in the ninth inning. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on what are your thoughts on Julio this far in the ninth? Yeah, you know, I I don't want to take blame off Julio because you know there there is an obviously obviously a problem in the ninth inning when it comes to Julio. You know, he wants to. He wants to be the star when, you know, he just needs to keep the line moving. We've seen it, you know, several times in the last few weeks to just keeping the line moving, you know, and that's going to score some runs. Um, But I think this is like almost the team mentality as a whole, because um, if I'm not mistaken, in Saturday's game before we took the lead, Gino went up in the eighth inning with a chance to play the game winning runs and he struck out either struck out swinging or he took some really bad hacks. Can't remember. Cause I was listening on the radio and it's like, you know, this team as a whole just wants to be the hero. They want to win ball games and it almost clouds their judgment a little bit when they, uh, when they get up to the plate, when they know, Hey, uh, hit a plate a runner or two. And then they come up and they look like they're just trying to swing for the fences, you know, um, not trying to take the, any blame from Julio. Cause you know, you, you brought some stats up there that are, I didn't know offhand and were pretty eye opening. Four hits in the ninth inning. And what you, you said it was slugging percentage was like 317. That's not great, you know, and, and that doesn't inspire, you know, especially for fans, you know, watching the game. That doesn't inspire, oh, Julio's going to come up in the ninth inning and win this game for us, you know. There, there's more dread, you know, and he's still young and, and, you know, you you, you got to think that he that's gonna I wouldn't say that's gonna wear off. Um, I I would say he's gonna get better in those situations as his career goes on. But uh, you know, it it certainly is not a good problem to have right now because um, you know, like you said, Romano wasn't pitching well, and good teams are, should be taking that game. That was definitely a winnable ball game at the end, and we just couldn't plate the runners. And I feel like we've said that a few times this season, you know, when it comes to ninth inning or extra innings, you know, the, the noble tiger in the 10th of 
whatever series that was two weeks ago where it just was like you had a chance to win this game and all you had to do was play one runner and you're swinging for the fences. You know, that should not be the mentality when the team comes up with the game on the line. Yep. And, uh, yeah, no, you're and you're right. Right. Uh, I think it's a team batting average of 193 in the ninth inning. Right. So like, um, I think that's our, I think that's close to our worst inning, right. Of close to our worst inning of baseball as a team, which is, uh, let's just put it less than ideal. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just, uh, you know, good teams, I feel like come up with this win, right? Like I just, this game in particular, um, you know, the Rangers, I think having the heart of their lineup, right. Would probably have a good chance to win this game. Uh, the Rays would have a good chance to win this game and, yeah, that's where the Mariners eventually want to be. The and Orioles. The Orioles, right? The, those teams would have, with the heart of their lineup, would have good chances of winning this game. And <clears throat> I think when it comes down to it, the Mariners just, you know, make you feel like they're not going to win this game sometimes. Um, and uh, it's just tough to see. And I would say, you know, Julio's still young, um, but um, Julio's going to have to get there, right? And this may open up, you know, kind of our Julio, if we have if we have a Julio problem question here. But um uh, Julio's going to have to get there eventually. I just, I, I don't know when it's going to be. And, you know, if, if this, and Julio got there last year, so I'm not, you know, dogging him of, you know, he's never been there. Right. But, um, Julio's going to have to kind of take that next step, right? Like we've talked about it before, but he's going to have to be an Acuna. He's going to have to be a, um, you know, Tatis level or a, you know, whatever level, Juan Soto level, like he's going to have to get there eventually. And maybe that's unfair of, to put that on him. But, um, you know, we've said numerous times the Mariners are an average offense and we need, you know, more, I think, robust hitting on that side of things. And Julio's our best shot at it. So maybe it's unfair to probably put that all on him, but he's just got to, I think, be better at kind of at these close games at the end of the games. And, um, you know, we've seen bits of it. We've seen it obviously last year and maybe the hope is if the season does ultimately become a punt, which it may be turning that way, maybe Julio has a better chance to kind of relax and kind of I think pick it up in the second half or these last couple months of the season. But um, right now it's just, uh, it's just tough. Cause I think we're all really, really rooting for him and um, you know, the city is really behind oh, yeah. him and um, it's just tough. Like I said, I don't want to see the bat in his game at the bat in his hand at the end of the game right now. And I feel like that's, uh, it's just really tough. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I would be very interested to see, and maybe this is something we can do for next episode. Well, um, I would love to get a comparison on how Ken Griffey was in these situations in the first couple of years, you know, and, and do kind of a side by side comparison because Julio's just going to be compared his whole career, his whole Mariners career, at least to Ken Griffey. You know, so I'd like to see who is probably, you know, the best player ever in a Mariners uniform, how he stacks up to our young rising superstar. Maybe maybe we could put that on the books for uh, for um, the next episode. I, I'd be, you know, I'm not looking at the stats right now, but I'd be very interested to see kind of how Ken Griffey did in his first couple seasons, you know, um, with game winning hits, hits, you know, Ninth inning, if, if that's even a stat we can find. Yeah, homework for me. I'll uh, I'll write it down and see what I can do. How's that sound? Sounds good. You're you're the stat guy, Bo, and I know you. 
I, I know you can find it. You know, if it's out there, you'll find it. So, um, you know, moving on from the twin or the Toronto series, um, Mariners traveled right after the game on Sunday. They're in Minnesota. You know, we're shooting on Monday, and so they're playing on Monday. And, um, you know, it's been a pretty good game so far. I won't spoil anything. But it was uh, Luis Castillo versus Kenta Maeda um, on the bump for Monday's game. Tuesday's game is going to see George Kirby versus Pablo Lopez. And Wednesday's game is going to be Bryce Miller versus Joe Ryan. Um, these two teams played very good baseball. You know, just last week, you know, we were just reviewing their series last Friday, and now they're in another three-game series. Um, I I really hoping that the Mariners can pull out a, a series win here, but um, you know, it's going to be tough because now they're in Minnesota's ballpark, and and they've got some sluggers that uh, you know seem to uh, make the Mariners throw some pitches. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. I think they've uh, they done, they did a good job at that last time. Um, get into the Mariners, then eventually get into the Mariners bullpen. Um, <clears throat> I think a consideration to have right now, and um, is I'm, I I don't remember the last uh, off day the Mariners had. Like the Mariners have been going very hard really since the All Star break. So um, I think that's just something that we maybe just get to a point where we're a little gassed as well. So. Um, it'll be, uh, be an interesting series to see, especially how we use the bullpen and hopefully we can extend guys a little bit further. Um, you know, I think Luis is gone. Uh, I think as we're talking, I think he has gone seven solid in this one. So a little bit of a push there, but I think the team is gassed as well. So, um, interesting to see how we kind of, I think, finish the series, but, uh, yeah, should still be a good one. Yeah, I would, I would assume that they have an off day on Thursday. I don't have the schedule up anymore, but I think they have an off day on Thursday. So they just need to power through this Minnesota series. And it's going to be some good pitching matchups, you know. Um, I can tell you right now, Monday's game has been a pretty good pitching matchup. George Kirby versus Pablo Lopez, two all-stars there. Good pitching matchup. Bryce Miller, he's, you know, a, a young gun for the Mariners. Joe Ryan, young gun for the Twins. So it's going to be a fun series. And, uh, you know, if, if the Mariners can... Um, you know, get them out, you know, let the starters stay out six, seven innings and not gas the bullpen. I think that's going to kind of be the key to success. Um, obviously, you know, we'd say this every time the offense needs to come around, <laughs> um, you know, but uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun series. And, and I don't know, I just like watching the Twins play because um, they're not the best team in the Central, but, you know, I... I talked him up last time. I, I love watching Eddie Julian play like, you know, he would be another player I would want on the Mariners. Yeah. Fun one, fun one to watch. And, um, yeah, I don't know. The twins are the twins outside of Carlos Correa, you know, pretty fun team to watch. So, yeah. 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 Carlos Correa can, well, he can go do something else, but anyways, <laughs> I, you know what? Bo, you, you brought bass back prospect corner, and we're going to get to that. But I've got a little trivia question for you, okay? And it's not even it, – it it's Mariners adjacent right now because they are playing the Twins. So that should key you on it being a, a Twins question. But I saw this stat come up 
um, on Twitter today. And I want to get your take on this, okay? And 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 I want you to see if you can just answer the trivia question here. There is one particular player on the Twins currently that is on place to be the first player in Mariners history to hit under 180, but still have an OPS plus of one over 100. Who is that player? Wait, 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 back up. You said this is on the Twins because you said you said it was on the Mariners there for a second. So this is on the Twins. It, it, it is on. It is Mariners adjacent because we are currently playing the Twins. Um, gotcha. Okay. So, so there's a player, and it, it shouldn't be no surprise to you. You should figure this out pretty quickly. Don't look it up, but he's on pace to hit under 180, but still have an OPS plus of over 100. Who is this player? Uh, under 180. Oh, Joey Gallo. You would be correct. Yeah. He's hit a home run, or he's averaging hitting a home run every 12.82 at-bats. He's walking nearly 14% of the trip time and striking out 41% of the time. <laughs> he is a three-outcome player right now. Home run, walk, or strikeout. There's no in-between. Yeah, I think when your when your when your K rate gets up into the forty percentile, right, or forty percent, right, that's when you know that you're, uh, yeah, you're typically going to be one of those three. So, um, yep. yeah, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Anyways, like I was just saying, prospect corner is coming back. Bo brought it back. He's got a prospect for us. Bo, take it away. Tell us about this prospect. Sure thing. Yeah. Michael Arroyo. Um, <clears throat> he was an international sign um, from Columbia uh, back in the 2022 year. Um, currently only 18 years old, but he is starting to, I think, slowly make his way up the uh, prospect charts. Um, <clears throat> he started out in the complex league earlier this year and, um, you know, I think was mostly, you know, it was in the DSL in 2022, I should, I should state, but then uh, started out in the complex league, I think, with the expectation that they were eventually going to move him mod- to Modesto, um, uh, and they did that back in uh, back in you know mid of middle of June. Um, but he's hit rather rel- relatively well there, right? I think the numbers may not be eye popping right now, but it's uh, it's a two forty one three sixty five on base percentage with a four thirty slug. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I think some of the things that are major major, I think bigger here is that the fact that he is only 18 um, and he has a 10% walk rate with only a 15% K rate, right? Like guys that we're getting for the guys that are coming from internationally, I think have, um, you know, I think some more, I think issues with their plate discipline side, but the fact that uh, he's only striking out, I think 15% of the time, very, very encouraging for like an 18 year old. So um, very, very positive thus far in Modesto, I think with, uh, you know, is playing shortstop still right now, but I think eventually he'll probably move to second base. Um, with Cole Young making a little bit of a move to uh, Everett, I think Michael Royal is going to get some more time at shortstop as well. But again, probably more of a second base type um, player, I think, when it's all said and done. But um, making his way slowly up the charts, um, getting high marks for his plate discipline at his back currently. Um, and, you know, I think has only hit one home run um, in Modesto. 
did hit another one in the complex league. So maybe could tap into a little bit more power there, but um, I think it's super encouraging that he's only 18. Very well could tap into some more of that plate discipline and maybe some more power. I think as he gets a little bit bigger, I'm still growing. Right. So um, very, very encouraging. And maybe somebody that, you know, we'll see on, you know, top prospect lists or maybe even a top 10 or top five list come, you know, maybe in the off season. So Michael Roro. Could this potentially be a player that the Mariners put on the trade block if he's doing well? Um, Potentially, potentially. Yeah, I think it's, you know, the other thing with it, right? 18 year olds, you don't always know what an 18 year old is, obviously. So like there's that potential out there. But um, yeah, I think it's a difficult one if you sell at the right time or if you don't sell at the right time. Right. Um, Meaning that Michael Arroyo's ceiling might still be a little bit higher. So you might be able to get more out of him in the future. But um, certainly if there's a team that if he sweetens a deal on something, um, maybe it's something out there just because the Mariners have a little bit of a glut of young um, uh, upper teens talent now currently, especially after the draft. So I think he's definitely certainly out there if a team thinks that he can sweeten a pot on something or um, you know, be another good addition to a deal, could potentially be on the block. But um, yeah, I, we'll see kind of what is in store for him, but uh, really encouraging thus far and probably has you know lifted his draft stock or his trade stock a little bit with that performance. Yep. Well, Bo, I'm, I'm really glad you brought back Prospect Corner because not only are you teaching probably some of the listeners who only follow the Mariners and don't you know necessarily follow the prospects, which obviously there's not a problem with that. Like, <laughs> But uh, you're also teaching me about some of these guys because I know names, but it's really nice when you, you break them down here. So with all that, Bo, you know, you're done with that. It's about time to get out of here. So do you have anything else you want to add before we uh, we get out of here and uh, go back to watching this wonderful Mariners game on Monday? Uh, I think that's it. Nothing from me. Thanks, Ricky. For all our listeners in the Puget Sound, Pacific Northwest, and beyond, thank you for taking time to listen to another edition of the Forks Down podcast. For Bo Chisholm, I'm Rick Clark. And we'll see you guys on Friday.